Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff Spirky Abishir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Perky Office Podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. We spoke about yesterday that we read the Mishnah, that if there is no If there's no Torah, there's no Derech Eretz. If there's no Derech Eretz, if there's no wisdom, there's no Yira. Chapter um, 3, Mishnah 17. If there's no fear of heaven, then in then there is no wisdom. If there's no Bina, there's no Das. If there's no Das, there's no Bina. And if there's no flower, then in Torah, there is no Torah. If there is no Torah, then there is no flower. And we had said that um, it sounded like an odd mission because it seems to um, revolve around itself that if there's no X and there's no Y and if there's no Y, there's no X, then where do you begin? And how do you get X if you don't have Y? And how do you get Y if you don't have X? So um, we set about to begin to understand that yesterday by talking about um, the first one, Yimeng Torah in Derech And we asked the question, we said, but wait, there is even if there is no Torah, we, if there's, because we say that Derech Eretz the Torah, that Derech Eretz comes before Torah. And that's the reason why Bereshus comes before um, Shmos, that we have to have the Sefer Bereshus, is to teach us the whole concept of Derech Eretz Torah. And we find that in so many different places, this idea of Derech Eretz Torah. We say the first 26 generations of the world, before we got Torah, there was still Derech Eretz. And we explained that there are four things that a person needs to acquire Torah. And the four things are that a person has to have good midos, that a person has to have a sense of godliness, a person has to have das, which we're going to explain in a few minutes, and that a person has to have an emotional connection to Torah. And without those components, it's very difficult for a person to excel in Torah. And that's what Rabbi Lozab and Azari is teaching us. He's teaching us that there are there is a thing called chitzanias, there is an external um, aspect of each one of these, and there is an internal aspect. The external aspect is important because it influences the internal, but the internal, in order for it to become what's called mushlam, in order for it to become whole, so then it needs to be not only external, but it needs to be make, made up of something internal. You know, we have a very important concept. By Pesach, we know that we're commanded not to break a bone of the carbon Pesach. Now, what's fascinating is, and again, I asked a similar question yesterday, of all the things that we would have in the 613 commandments, you gotta, you got to look a little funny at one of the 613 commandments is, the etzem lo tishburu bodhi, you're not allowed to break the bone of the carbon Pesach. It's like, you know, do me a favor. How does it make me a better person? And what's the big deal? So you break the bone, you don't break the bone, right? You like to suck the marrow, you don't suck the marrow. Who cares? Why is that a commandment in the Torah? So the Chinuch, another Swam explained very beautifully that other that a person is shaped by the way that they act. If you want to be a certain kind of person, if you act that way, so then that will influence your insides, your panemius, 
to be that kind of person. If a person is sitting in a Pesach Seder and wants to be royal, then you have to act like royalty. Royalty doesn't sit and suck bones. Royalty doesn't sit and break bones and suck on the marrow. That's not the way, that's not the way royalty comports itself. And if that's the case, that's why there's a prohibition in the Torah. The Torah is not really prohibiting the sucking of the marrow. What the Torah is prohibiting is, is of being pedestrian. Because if you want to be elevated, if you want to be a special person, then you need to act like a special person. You need to, you need to behave in a certain way in order to become that way. Now, there is no question that that's really all about chitzanius. It's really all about the externals. But if you want the internal to be influenced, then you've got to start with the externals. Once you have the externals, then you have to infuse those external, externals with internals. And then the internals become that much stronger because they manifest themselves in externals. Those externals then become capable of being infused with more internal, and it just keeps rolling around itself. And that's what Belazar ben Azari is teaching us. And he teaches us first with Torah and Derech Eretz, that if you want Torah, then you have to have Derech Eretz. Derech Eretz, it's got to start first. And granted, it's going to be chitzanius. It's going to be external derech heretz. But you know what? You start with external derech heretz. You start with your please and thank yous. Start with being on the outside, a menshlicha person, and then fill that with Torah. Fill that with reason and meaning. And then that that, that chitzanius, that external, is going to be filled. It's going to be reeking. It's going to be packed with panemius, with, with internal meaningful things. And then that is going to then go and influence your externals. We showed that this was the pattern also of the Ten Commandments of the Aseris Hadibros, that the layout of the Ten Commandments was that it starts in the head, then it goes to the mouth, then it translates itself into the actions, then it goes from the actions back into the mouth, back into the head, and it's just the Galgalo Choser. It just keeps going around and around and around. Okay, then we see it in the second step. In the second step, we say that a person has to acquire a sense of Yerash Shemayim. We've spoken before about the concept of Yerash Shemayim. We spoke about it in terms of Yerash Achet, of being afraid of doing the, doing the wrong thing. Yerash Shemayim is in essence an understanding and a feeling of the presence of God. When you see a person daven with Yerash Shemayim, you feel like they're standing, You just the energy of standing next to that person, you feel that they're standing, in, for, that they realize that they're standing in front of the Melech Malchim Loch, in front of the King of Kings. You can, you can feel a person's Yerash Shemayim. You can see the way a person will allow themselves to do certain things and not allow themselves to do certain things, there is a, there is a sense of euro. This sense of awe of God, of recognition of the presence of Hashem, you can have a, a sense of God and even a powerful sense of God. But if it's not translated into something, if it's not translated into some kind of, in some kind of action, into something tangible, then it isn't really a full sense of God. You know, you can, you can meet a person... Who is uh, you know who's sitting for twenty years in an ashram, right? Or a person who spends the time up on top of a, a mountain in Tibet and contemplates the Lord, you know, and just thinks about thinks about God and godliness. And you know th- their godliness reeks like you can you can feel it, it you, you can smell it from them. But it's it's nowhere. It doesn't translate itself if there isn't if there isn't any kind of rules if there isn't any kind of context in order to put that in any kind of tachlis. So a person can have this tremendous belief in God, and yet a Jew, and yet has no idea that God expects him to daven, or that God expects him to keep Shabbos, or God expects him to worry about the things that he eats and about the things that he says. So he has, he has a, a sense of God, he has a feeling of God, but he has no idea what God expects of him. 
And if that's the case, his whole yira, his whole sense of awe of Hashem is only external. It's just, a, it's superficial. It's a feeling of God, but it's not a life of God. It hasn't, it hasn't, it hasn't put itself into the life of a person. The same is true if a person has the klalim. A person has all the rules. A person is a walking shulchan arch. They can tell you every single law. They can tell you every single halacha. They can tell you about the machlaikas apaiskim, the difference of opinion amongst halachic authorities. This rabbi says this, this rabbi says this. But it's called undiyir shamayim. It's missing that sense of godliness, that sense of fear of heaven. That's also empty. It's also just chitzanis. The rules need to be infused with godliness. The godliness needs to be shaped by rules. And that's what Rebbe Lezeb and Azariah is teaching us. If there is no chachma, if there is no set, set of understanding, there's no sense of the rules, then in yira, then your fear of heaven is nothing. It's just an external fear of God, a certain feeling of the presence of Hashem, but it's not translated into anything. And you know, you know what your fear of God looks like if it's not translated into any kind of real tangible expression of one's fear of God? So it looks like all of these modern books that are written about godliness and spirituality that go nowhere. They're just about, just about you know, air, just about thinking about God and spirit and you know, and you can you can call that spirit anything. You can call it, you know, the spirit of Halloween. You can call it, you know, the the, the ghost of, of the what, what did Snoopy call it? The um, you know the the cabbage patch, whatever they used to sit there and wait for the for, for the spirit of Halloween to come. It's nothing. It's just air. If it doesn't have a trend, if it doesn't translate into one's existence, into one's actions, into one's morals, into one's ethics, then it's nothing. But if there is no yira. If there is no sense of godliness, then there's no chachma. Then all the knowledge that you have is just empty knowledge. I think I've mentioned many, many times that Marashiv used to say that in Slabatka, things had gotten so bad, Haskala had taken over. Haskala was the intellectual parts of Judaism without the feeling of, without the feeling of, of godliness. That he said in Slabatka, you could find on a Friday night guys sitting and writing with pens their chidushe Torah, their novel interpretations of the Torah, deep and incredibly intellectual interpretations of sections of the Talmud while smoking cigarettes on Shabbos. Because it's possible to reach a level, to reach a place of, of, a, of a sense of chachma. You have, you have you know, the, the wisdom, but you don't have the yira. And if you have yira, if you have a sense of fear of God, but you don't have, if, if you don't have yira, then your chachma is worth nothing. Your chachma is just intellectual stuff. It's just writing Chidushe Torah on Shabbos, smoking cigarettes. That's all it is. It's just novel interpretations, but it's not novel interpretations of the Torah HaKidosha. Rabbi Lazar ben is concerned that we don't live our lives on chitzonius, not on the chitzonius, not on the external expressions of chachma, not on the external expressions of yira, of fear of God. And then he pushes it further. And he says that in Ein Bina, in Das, Vimein Das, Ein Bina. Let's explain. 
What is the difference between Chachma, Bina, and Das? And I will tell you that every Sefer that you learn that tries to explain Chachma, Bina, and Das has a little nuanced difference of what Chachma, Bina, and Das is. The way that I relate to Chachma, Bina, and Das, based on the Svarim, is that Chachma is the raw knowledge. It's the facts. Bina is understanding one thing from another. The word Bina is the same as the word Bona, to build. When it says in Bereshis that Vayiven Hashem Elokim, that God built the woman, so we understand, Chazal tell us, that he gave her a Bina Yaseira, he gave her an extra measure of understanding. Because that Bona that he did for a woman, that building was actually Bina. It was giving her an ability to be able to build things in her mind, the ability to be able to see two things and to be able to understand from those two things to be able to understand the third thing. But if all of that remains just theoretical, you're, you're filled with facts. I remember my father used to tell me that I could write a, an encyclopedia of useless information. I, I, I seem to, as a child, gravitate to facts. I was like a, I think I've said this before, I was like a, a, a Snapple, a, a Snapple apple uh, iced tea cup, you know, in the, in the caps of the Snapple iced tea, you have all the facts you never knew before in your life. They're all there. And, you know, it's Kedai to drink Snapple just to be able to learn new things that, that you had never known about the world. I seem to have been like a Snapple cap. And I knew, I knew all these useless pieces of information. All those useless pieces of information, the Chachma, the, 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 the knowledge that you have, and even the Das, the ability to be able to connect pieces of information. Oh, if that's true and that's true, then that must be true. All of that is wonderful. But if it doesn't translate into your life, if it, doesn't, if it doesn't turn into something practical, if you can't build off it, all you do is know it, so then it's nothing. The way that a good, a good um, simile of Bina, da, Chachma Bina and Das is, Chachma is the idea that you want to have a house. Bina is the plans. And Das is the actual building. It's the actual, you know, the, the, all, of the, all of the details and the actual building of that structure. And what Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah is teaching us is that if there is no Bina, if you don't have a depth of understanding, so then your Da'as, what you do with that knowledge, how that knowledge informs your life, how that knowledge does something to your existence, so then there is no Da'as. There is going to be, there is going to be no knowledge. But Imein Da'as, but if there is no practical ramification of everything you have, the name Bina, then all the understanding you have is just air. It's nothing. It doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't do anything. In order to be able to have Das, to be able to have a practical, a, a practical living with all of the things that you know, so then there has to be Bina. You have to have a deep understanding. If you don't have a deep understanding, if you live on the superficial, if you live just with facts, so then you can't turn that into life. You can't use that to understand what's going on in your life and how to make your life a better life. But in Ein Das, but if there is no practical side to this, then Ein Bina, there's no real understanding of life either. And then finally in the fourth step, he says, in Ein Kemach, Ein Torah. If there is no Kemach, Kemach is physical toil. It doesn't say if there's no bread, then there's no Torah. It says if there is no kemach, there's no flour. 
Flour is something that is very human. Animals don't need flour because animals don't need to bake bread. Animals can eat fruit, they can eat vegetables, they can eat things that are already prepared and are ready and waiting for them. The human being has an obligation to take this world and to perfect this world. The whole concept of bread is that God gives us raw material and he says, take this world, take these raw material gifts that I've given you and turn them into something. That, in fact, is what a brismila is. Because if God wanted us to have a brismila, he could have created us with a brismila. He could have created us circumcised, but God didn't do that. What he did was he said, I want you to take my world and I now want you to bring it to perfection. By the way, that's the reason why Avram Avinu kept 613 commandments, but he only kept the commandment of brismila until God told him to have a brismila. You know, we ask that question, we say, Avram kept every single commandment in the Torah. But somehow he couldn't figure out. He could figure out kashras. He could figure out not to eat shellfish. He could figure out how to keep Shabbos. He could figure out even how to make an Erev Tavshilin. Somehow he couldn't figure out how to have a bris milo. Yeah, you know, you sort of can understand that. Like, you know, it's not so intuitive to cut a piece of skin off. And, and it's painful. You don't necessarily want to go through that. So you put it in the back of your mind and you wait till God commands you. No, that's not it. The reason why Avram Avinu never did a bris milo, he knew he had to have a bris milo. He understood that. But he knew that the statement of a brismila is, is that I'm taking your world, God, and I'm perfecting your world. And he, he couldn't do that without God giving him a specific commandment to take this world and to make this world into a, into a better thing, to take the raw world and to perfect it and to turn it into something. And that's the mandate that we have in every moment of our existence, is to take this world that God has given us, take the flower, and to turn that flower into bread, to perfect that and to turn it into something beautiful and something awesome. Im ein kemach, if there isn't physical toil, if there isn't work, if there isn't the proper work ethic, so then there is ein Torah, then there's no Torah. Because if you don't have a good work ethic when it comes to the physical world, you're not going to have a good work ethic when it comes also to the spiritual world. When it comes to Torah, when it comes to working in Torah, in the same way that you expect things to drop in your lap in the physical world, you expect the knowledge to drop in your lap in the Torah world also. And the truth is, the most important ingredient that a person needs in order to be able to excel in Torah is a person needs a melos. A person needs to push themselves. A person needs to sweat in Torah. Right? If you walk in my Torah, we understand that it means to you a melim Torah, that we have to be a melim. Torah does not go in by osmosis. Torah is not just a spectator sport. You sit on the side and you, know, you listen a little bit and it goes in. You know, I'll tell you an amazing thing. And I know, I know, by the way, that people here do this because of the questions that I receive, so I know this is happening. We sit for a half hour and we learn Gishmakatari, if I have to say it myself. Right? We learn delicious Torah. Right? These the 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 Prikyamas, it's delicious. But a lot of times delicious Torah, like a good steak, is gone in moments. You know, like Chinese food. Right? You finish eating, and then you're hungry again afterwards. It doesn't, it doesn't really stay with you. But if you go over the Torah, if the next morning before you start the next year, you just look at the previous Mishnah, and you go, you look at maybe a note or two that you wrote down, and you say, oh, yeah, yeah I remember the point that that Mishnah was, then, then that Mishnah sticks inside, and then the next Mishnah builds on top of that one, and the next one builds on top of that one. And that's part of the process of a melos to Torah. It's not just listening to Torah. It's not just being entertained by Torah, but it's actually toiling in Torah. In Ein Kemach, if there isn't that toil, if there isn't that taking the raw materials and working with those raw materials, 
then ain't Torah, then it's not going to, the Torah is not going to last inside of us either. But in ain Torah, but if there is no Torah, if there is no spirituality, if there is no toil in spirituality, then ain kemach. There won't be toil in the physical world either. If a person wants to be successful, both in the physical and the spiritual world, they have to have this kind of ethic, this kind of work ethic, this ability to be able to get their hands dirty and to work. I'll tell you, in my, in, in my experience in life, when I've seen a person not be able to be successful in Torah, though they put in effort, then I very often will find that a person is, has, has success problems when it comes to their physical work also, when it comes to their uh, material acquisitions and their, and their jobs and their success in their jobs. And if a person is successful in their secular world, they have the tools to be successful also in the spiritual world. All they have to do is to be able to translate those values and those ethics that they, uh, that they, that they live with in their secular lives and apply them to their Torah lives. And it's amazing the kind of success that a person can have. And this is the message that I see in the Mishnah, again, that I get from, from our sages, that Rabbi Leza ben is trying to teach us not some cute little poem, like it's cute. He's not trying to teach us a cute poem. What he's trying to tell us is, do not live superficially. Do not live on the outside. Do not live merely with chitzenis. Don't ignore chitzenis. Do not laugh at chitzenis. But do not put all your focus on the outside. It needs to be filled with, with something internal. But when you fill it with something internal, that internal has to manifest itself in something external. You know, a lot of times, let's, let's use a, a little part of example, but, but clothing on Shabbos. So a lot of times people have a hard time that, you know, there's such a thing as big day Shabbos, as clothes of Shabbos. What difference does it make? Does, does God really care how I show up to show? It doesn't matter if I'm wearing a suit or a tie. It doesn't matter if I'm wearing a white shirt. You know, or if I'm wearing a, you know, wearing a special dress for Shabbos, does God really care? He's got to worry about Corona. What does he care about what dress I'm wearing? So he doesn't, he doesn't really care. But he cares that you should care. Because chitzainus, the external expression, is meant to be an external expression of what's going on inside of us, which is meant to have an effect on what's going on inside. And then what's going on inside manifests itself. It appears in what's going on outside. I remember a Rebbe of mine did an experiment in high school. We were a rough bunch. I went to a, a co-ed high school in, uh, in Long Island, New York. And uh, we had, our Lumerik Kodesh was separate. At least there was, a, there was a chance that we might learn something. But Lumerik Hall was, was all together. And we were a rough bunch of guys. We were 16 boys and five girls. And the five girls were all, the four of them were very, very from. And in the guys, I think there were two of us that were Shemesh Shabbos. And uh, it, was a, it was a very from day school. We had, we, we had our Abayim were mamish, like amazing Tamidi Chachamim, incredible, world-renowned Torah scholars. But they were teaching in this, you know, sort of out-of-town day school in, uh, in Long Island. Anyway, at Kitzer, the, the, so the Rebbe did an experiment. We, we, like I said, we were a rough bunch. We used to, we were very much into ice hockey. And it was in the days of those Americans that, uh, that will remember the Philadelphia Flyers and the New York Rangers. They used to have 
brawls in the middle of the um, of hockey games. I mean, hockey was a was a contact sport, and it was a rough a rough sport. We would come out of class. There'd be 150 kids in the hall, and somebody would call out, "Brawl!" and and everybody would throw their books down as like the hockey players would throw down their gloves and their and their sticks, and we would start to brawl in the halls. Nobody would get punched or anything, but we'd just be pushing each other into lockers, and the sound was deafening. And it used to drive the school crazy. So my Rebbe decided to do an experiment. One week, he told us that we could dress however we wanted. We could wear polo shirts. We could wear shorts. We could wear sneakers. Whatever we wanted to wear to school, we could wear to school. The next week, he told us that from, from Monday to Friday, we had to dress in big day Shabbos. And he contacted our parents, and he told our parents they had to play along with it. So every kid came in with dress shoes, a suit, a tie, Mamish big day Shabbos. There were no brawls during that week. There was no wildkeit, nothing wild during that week. We ourselves were able to recognize the difference in our behavior from the week that we there was hefter, that we could dress however we wanted, to the week that we had to dress in a certain way. Now, we didn't continue dressing that way, but nevertheless, we recognized the difference. We recognized that the chitzonius has an impact on the panemius. But when it only has an impact and it doesn't translate into long-term changes, then it's only just chitzonius. It becomes a reflection of the panemius, of the inside of a person, when it translates itself into something real. And then it continues to go back and forth and back and forth. And that's what Rebbe Lezer ben Zayi was teaching us. He wasn't just teaching us about flower and Torah. He wasn't teaching us about bina and das. He was teaching us about living Muslim, living whole. And to live whole, you've got to worry about the outsides and you've got to worry about filling those outsides with insides. And then those insides manifesting themselves on the outside, refilling the inside and going around and around as a person grows and elevates themselves. Okay.